I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to this Monday episode of Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. I can't tell you all the ground we're going to be covering today. There was a, a cougar attack of sorts, right? Uh, a trail runner was out there, uh, comes across a cougar. There is some remarkable video. You can find that up on my Facebook page here in just a moment. Also, of course, we'll be looking at the Amy Coney Barrett uh, hearing, at, which has begun in earnest today in Washington, D.C. Uh, today, the senators had an opportunity to present their positions and their attitudes. And then tomorrow, tomorrow things really pick up. We'll come it then and then uh, later on in the program i don't want to go f- too far down the road but i want to get you excited about this i over the weekend picked up a new hobby i'm gonna tell you all about it we've discussed and traded notes on our covid hobbies uh well i picked up a new hobby and uh let me give you this hint so far i won't, I won't reveal it not entirely uh but i am really sore i am really really sore my legs in particular we'll, we'll get into that later on but let me tell you one of the realities of working in this business when uh, when your workplace is a newsroom and as is the case news never sleeps you uh, really at any moment uh, can find yourself right in the middle of investigating some old story checking on old notes of yours from the past and that was the case uh, this past Saturday uh, and you have likely heard uh, both on this uh, radio station and in the newspaper and elsewhere of uh, some some new developments in a case which started in 2010. In fact, uh, it was uh, just 10 years ago uh, that a woman was found murdered, Sherry Black, uh, inside her place of business. And uh, from then until now, there have been uh, no convictions. The, 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 uh, the story has not been told in its entirety all the way to the end. And then over the weekend, uh, someone was taken into custody. And I, on stories like this, because of all the nuance and all the important realities to follow about, uh, you know, the justice system, innocent until proven guilty, uh, the way investigations take place, I uh, so often turn to a friend and colleague, Debbie Dejanovic, who joins us in studio now and who has been following this story, uh, well, not just since Saturday, uh, but for for years and years. Debbie? For many years. uh, My journey into the Sherry Black murder case that seemed, for all intents and purposes, to have gone cold. Uh, began in earnest in 2014 and 2015. And in 2015, I sat down with the investigative team that was looking at this case, and they were revisiting um, some of the old evidence and trying to determine if there were new avenues that they could follow. I want to play part of an interview that I did with one of the detectives during uh, that meeting in 2015 when he speaks specifically about DNA and fingerprints. For now, South Salt Lake PD's investigation hinges on forensic evidence. We have DNA, we have fingerprints. We're going to, this guy's going to be in CODIS because he's a bad guy, right? He's a bad guy or he's going to have fingerprints on file. He's not. Prints from the crime scene and a nationwide sweep of fingerprint databases netted nothing. Now, CODIS is a, a nationwide database. It's uh, something that the FBI uh, oversees. So at this point, DNA doesn't seem to be going anywhere for detectives. In fact, they even did an unprecedented, at the time, 
familiar familial search uh, in you know your typical sure, yeah. kind of genealogy databases, seeing if they could find some sort of a connection, a family match that could then lead them to the next step and perhaps a suspect. The other thing that they were coming up empty on is surveillance video from around the bookstore. They really didn't have any good leads there that they at least let me on to believe years ago. And then they went door to door over and over again. I believe they canvassed at least three times asking people in the neighborhood, did they see anything? Where DNA finally did take a turn in the direction for law enforcement was when they were able to zero in on an age, an age of about 19 is what they told me. And it turns out this 29-year-old that was arrested in connection with Sherry Black's murder as a, possible, as a suspect, now he hasn't been criminally charged formally, uh, was would have been about 19 at the time. So it seems as though detectives hit the age right on the mark. The sketch that they ended up doing from the DNA profile. If you look at the sketch, compare it to the mugshot of the person that was booked in over the weekend, it looks very, very similar. So the sketch, uh, the DNA helped them with that sketch. It also, over the last couple of days, DNA swabs have connected him to the evidence that was collected at the scene, according to what we've read in jail records. But I'll tell you where the big concern is for me is what happened with the fingerprints? And let me go down this road with you uh, just for a moment, Lee. Sure. Um, it appears from all of our research here at KSL Television and KSL News Radio that this individual who has now been booked in on the Sherry Black homicide um, allegations did was, quite frankly, under law enforcement noses all along. And here's why I say that. He spent time in the juvenile justice system. We also know, uh, according to KSL Television's uh, investigative journalism uh, over the weekend, that he was booked into jail. And if you're booked into the Salt Lake County Jail, you should have he should have been fingerprinted in about 2011, shortly after Sherry Black was found murdered on unrelated charges. Um, and so, where did those fingerprints go? Did they go into the proper system, and did they somehow get mismatched? Or perhaps the fingerprints from the scene that I was told were collected weren't a great set of fingerprints. Well, that, that's a good question. So the the relevance and the usefulness of these 2011 fingerprints, which we suppose were collected from this suspect now, would only be useful if, if we were able to uh, collect something identifiable from that 2010 crime scene. Exactly. So... From my understanding and talking to law enforcement over the years, they did have fingerprints from the crime scene. So what then became of the fingerprints when the suspect was booked into jail on unrelated charges? In fact, we invited Salt Lake County Sheriff Rosie Rivera on the line today to just give us some insight uh, to take us down this road. And she can't discuss a lot about the case, but we did ask about the fingerprints. The fingerprints do go into a database uh, after an individual has been booked, but on this specific case, I can't comment on that information right now. Now, developments in this story right now hinder on the screening of charges by uh, District Attorney Sim Gill. Today's Columbus Day. Office is closed tomorrow. Do, do we expect to hear something tomorrow, or what's the timeline for the next chapter? I'm certainly hoping to hear something, Lee, uh, from um, D.A. Gill on this. Certainly, I would expect... 
uh, with the suspect in custody, he'll be on a on a on a timeline. There is a timeline. They just can't hold this right. person forever. They have to. I, th- I can't remember these. I think it's seventy seventy two hours, three days. They have to file charges. He can always ask for an extension as they continue to collect more evidence. Um, but we don't know what in particular broke this case wide openly. We don't know that yet. In talking to the sheriff, she hasn't divulged those details. She didn't d- divulge them to me or Dave today when we was he she was on the show with us. Uh, but I always felt that this individual, whoever it was, and now we know uh, someone is in custody, was extremely sloppy and very disorganized uh, during the commission of this crime, this murder of Sherry Black, including uh, not only leaving behind what appeared to be uh, just a, a great deal of DNA evidence and fingerprints, but also a belt. And I'd reported that five mm-hmm. years ago that the person they believed to have committed the crime left behind a designer belt uh, for law enforcement uh, that would they, they would then could use potentially to track him down going forward. Now, we don't know if that right. belt ultimately led to the arrest or if there was some other evidence that came up over the years or perhaps, perhaps there was eventually a fingerprint match. Hopefully time will tell. Hopefully we very soon uh, learn the details of this uh, for our own curiosity, certainly, and also, and more than anything, uh, for closure for the the Black family and the Miller family. Uh, It's a heartbreaking reality because at the root of all of this, all the intricacy and the intrigue involving uh, the storyline and how new details have been added, uh, there is... At the root of all of this, someone uh, who is now missing their mother, their grandmother, their friend, their fellow churchgoer, uh, a person lost their life, and it's a heartbreaking reality. Debbie DeGenevic, thank you, as always, for having these kind of conversations with me. You offer a lot of great insight and experience uh, when it comes to matters like this. Look forward to having further conversations with you on this story as it develops. Thank you, Lee. All right, Debbie, thank you. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. When we return, you heard earlier the story of that cougar. Uh, There was a gentleman down in Provo running on a trail. Uh, He up ahead sees, oh, my gosh, there is an adult cougar, and it is coming my way pretty aggressively. What do you do in a case like that? What did he do? We'll find out next with KSL News Radio reporter Mary Richards ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.